This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards. Greetings from the near frontier. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of 40 Acres and a Fool. Cam Edwards here, flying solo this week, unfortunately. Uh, Missy's a little under the weather. Not, uh, I, I don't think it's anything related to the chemo or the cancer. I think it's a head cold. Uh, youngest daughter had it and laid her out for about a week. Uh, Kyle Morgan, our technical director for uh, Cam and Company on NRA TV, had it, which morphed into bronchitis. My uh, 16-year-old son has had the crud going around, so I think uh, it finally attacked Miss E. I, uh, I I'm feeling okay. Knock on wood. I got to find some wood to knock on. There we go. Uh, and Miss E's hopefully going to be feeling better. Uh, hopefully you had a great week. It was a good weekend for us. We were outside Saturday and Sunday. The weather cooperated. And uh, the uh, the mistake that we had made with the, uh, the plowing of our garden, which left those big, deep furrows that we couldn't navigate with the uh, rototiller. So we have corrected about half of that mistake. I feel pretty good that uh, that we got that much accomplished in addition to all of the other home stuff this weekend. Uh, peppers are planted now. Most of the tomatoes have sprouted, including uh, Trent in Indiana, who sent us some seeds. Uh, Trent, we have two uh, that have sprouted so far, so I'm uh, hopeful that uh, they will continue growing. Uh, planted some herbs this weekend as well for our herb garden and uh, and I think that was it. We still have to put some cucumbers down. We want to put some uh, lettuce in the ground. We've got a couple of raised beds that are going in the front of the house that we have to assemble and fill. But my plan, and I'm looking at the 15-day forecast right now, and it, it shows we're getting down into the 30s one night, but uh, uh, we're not getting below freezing for the next couple of weeks. But my plan is to still hold off until about April 15th or so, and then uh, try to put uh, all of the stuff that we have planted in little peat pots, uh, either get those in the ground or at least get them out into uh, the, the outside area full-time. Um, but last year, we had a late freeze in, in early May that just messed everything up. Uh, this year, the problem was that really warm February and we had three weeks or so of, you know, 65, 70 degree weather and everything started 
sprouting. The leaves started blooming. The uh, fruit trees were starting to flower. And then we had like a week where every night it was below freezing. So that has kind of messed us up. Um, Last year, because of that late freeze, we had absolutely no blueberries whatsoever. Right now, I'm looking at our blueberry bushes, and they seem to be doing okay. The uh, the, the trees that haven't got any buds on them right now, um, we've got these massive old locust trees that are, in some cases, probably a couple hundred years old. Uh, they are just enormous, and they're always the last to to start to butt out. And every year, I think, well, this is the year that they've died. Um, I'm I'm at that point now where it's April. I'm still looking for signs of life, and so I'm starting to think, okay, maybe this was the year. It was a really mild winter. I don't know why this would have killed them, but uh, but maybe this is the year because we still have a lot of trees that are just bare. Right now, the uh, smaller trees, uh, not only around the farm, but uh, in the area, they, they, they're doing great. Uh, it's the older ones that are just uh, still taking their sweet time to, uh, to flower and to leaf this spring. So, uh, so that gets us caught up on the outside of the house <laughs> this past week. Uh, again, I feel like we're making good progress. Nothing dramatic to, imp- uh, to report. There were no major screw-ups. Uh, all of the pigs are still doing great, and uh, uh, we actually had an offer from Bethany out in Ohio to uh, to swap a couple of our pigs for a miniature horse. And and Bethany, if you're listening, um, we're going to take you up on that. I, I I talked to Miss E. I just mentioned this to Miss E, and immediately the response was, "Oh yes, yes." It like sounded like Tim Allen and Homer Brood. Uh, yeah, she was excited about the prospect of a miniature horse. Missy would love to have a petting zoo. Honestly, uh, if if we could, if she could get away with it, <laughs> then we would have I don't know how many different kinds of critters on the farm. But a, a miniature horse. She says yes. So apparently we are adding to our menagerie. Uh, the nine little bacon seeds are all doing great. They are. Starting to uh, uh, get the idea of how to root and how to eat. They're still uh, feeding on mom, but they're also uh, nibbling on the grass now. We, uh, we, uh, they're loving their new area. Uh, it's so funny to watch them, though, because we've got nine. They're all really small. They're maybe the size of a – they're not even the size – maybe the size of a one-liter bottle. Not, not, not quite a, a two-liter bottle yet. They're still really small. And they all move in – like one pack. If you've ever seen, uh, you know, a flock of birds all kind of move through the air and kind of do that dance, or schools of fish all moving in one direction, that's what these nine little pigs are doing, running around the yard. So I come out of the house, and uh, one of the uh, adult pigs, Griddle, uh, always starts yelling at me, like, uh-huh, come over here and pet me. And for the longest time, she was really skittish. She'd yell at you, you'd go over, she'd stand right next to you, but when you tried to pet her, she'd run away. Now she's, over the past couple of weeks, really since the, the baby bacon seeds have been born, now Griddle gets it. She wants the attention, she wants the affection. So as soon as you step outside, Griddle comes running over to the fence, or, 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 or wanting her, uh, her, her nose scratched or scratched behind the ears. And then you see through the grass this wave of little black dots just moving closer and closer to you until they finally they burst out of the clover and there are nine little bacon seeds. And you go over and you're thinking, oh, good, this is the time they're going to let you actually touch them. Now, 
Now, they're still really skittish of humans. Uh, I have what, what I like to do because I want them acclimated to humans. So, And I know as they get older and we become the food source, and it's not mom that's the food source, uh, they will become uh, much more acclimated to us. But I, I, I want to start that process early. So I've been going out trying to spend you know, 15, 20 minutes or so just sitting down uh, with the pigs and let the pigs come over, and whoever wants to get a scratch gets a scratch. Uh, Griddle is, is again, she's, she's pretty needy about that. Uh, Mama Smog is, uh, she's kind of standoffish. She wants, she wants a little bit of a, a scratch on her jowls, and, and then she's good. She'll wander off and do her own thing. Uh, and the bacon seeds will get a little bit closer and a little bit closer. And I've actually had a couple of them uh, investigate me with their snout, touch my hand, and then they'll scurry away. So they're still very unsure uh, about me, but hopefully that's going to be getting better. So, Again, uh, goats are doing great. Everybody's fine. Chickens are fantastic. Haven't lost any more. Looking to actually add some more. Uh, I need to clean the chicken coop, though. I need to go ahead and get rid of the uh, the winter mess and, and get it nice and clean for spring. But I think we're going to do that when we add some more chickens in. So hopefully we'll be getting some more layers. Uh, I'm hoping this week, as a matter of fact, we've got a friend who has some chickens that I think are ready to go. So we're going to get a couple from her because we're down to three hens right now, four hens, three laying hens, and then one that, that hasn't started laying yet. And uh, I'm, I'm used to more eggs. It was We, we got kind of low this weekend. We don't eat a lot of eggs for breakfast during the week, but on the weekend, all of a sudden, you start eating eggs on Saturday and Sunday, and it's you and Miss E, and the kids want eggs, and then you're thinking, we, we have no more eggs left. So uh, it is definitely time for us to add to our flock this spring. Now, on the inside of the house, uh, that's another story. Normally, we don't talk much about what goes on inside the house, but uh, we had an issue with our house this week, and I'll tell you all about it uh, right after a quick timeout. So stick around. There's more 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network coming up right after this. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. So if you read the description for this week's podcast, uh, you have a little bit of an idea what's coming here. Uh, our house is an old house. So it's one of the things that we uh, that, that Miss E specifically wanted. Um, I originally was very much on the fence about, but uh, but but have come to love our old house. Um, it's uh, the, the the house is like one of those rambly old farmhouses. It started out somewhere around 1776 to 1781 as a two room cabin. Uh, in one of the rooms, there is a mantle on the fireplace that uh, uh, allegedly 
uh, was carved by local Native Americans who were still living in the area. Because uh, in 1776, you know, Central Virginia, it wasn't the frontier, but it wasn't really settled. I mean, we were west of Richmond, which was a pretty small town. Uh, Lynchburg, we were east of, and Lynchburg would have been a little tiny village at that point. Farmville um, at the time was a plantation called Bazaar that was owned by one of the uh, uh, Randolphs in Virginia. And then Charlottesville was a little village, uh, you know, and that would be all of those places, by the way, that I just described would still be several days travel uh, from where we are. Uh, Farmville, back then, you could have gotten there in maybe a day or so. Uh, maybe a little bit less. So we were out in the middle of nowhere uh, in 1776 uh, when the house was built. Over the years, uh, rooms were added on. In the 1850s, they built a second story uh, above the main cabin. Uh, in the 1880s, they put on another little wing of the house, and so the, the house is now shaped like a, like an L uh, and then they put a, another room downstairs on that new wing. It was, you know, one room downstairs, one room upstairs in a uh, tiny little hallway. Um, the kitchen was added on, I believe, in the 30s. Uh, and until then, it was an outside kitchen. There was uh, uh, our bathroom, Miss Eni's bathroom off of the, uh, the master, I think was put in in the 90s. Um, in fact, uh we didn't have, or this house didn't have, indoor plumbing until the 1970s, from what we've been told. So it's an old house, relatively new plumbing. And because the house wasn't built with bathrooms in mind, the bathrooms are sort of tucked in uh, and have been added on in wherever you can find them. So we have a lot of bathrooms that back up to the exterior of the house. There's one bathroom downstairs that's publicly accessible uh, that is in the center, it's off the center hallway of the house. And uh, that is where our trouble lies right now. A couple of months ago, we had a leak uh, in the uh, pipe that connects the toilet to the, the plumbing. So got that taken care of. It wasn't a bad leak, and we had discovered it fairly quickly. So we thought everything was cool. Uh, everything was not cool. It was Sunday night. Getting ready, actually, to record this podcast. This is one of the reasons why we're uh, a day late with this. Uh, getting ready to sit down and record the podcast. And I hear Miss E call out to me. And, and she used my whole name. Uh, so I knew that it was serious. Cameron, come here. And I'm thinking to myself, I put my dishes away. The dogs are walked. I, I, I don't know what this could be. Uh, walk in to the, uh, the front hall, and she has this kind of slightly panicked look on her face. Uh, mold, she says. We have mold. We have mold. And, yes, uh, the baseboard behind the toilet in the downstairs front bathroom did have mold on it. Uh, the flooring... The uh, flooring that had been put down, I guess, in the 1970s um, did not go flush with the wall. There's a little bit of a gap, and there was mold in that gap, which makes me concerned that there is mold now underneath the flooring. Uh, I don't think it would have gotten too far because it's only been a couple of months, but you never know. So we are now dealing with 
mold in our bathroom and uh, getting ready to yank out uh, at least part of the flooring. Uh, Missy would like to do the whole thing because <laughs> one of the uh, one of the things that they did when they did put in indoor plumbing in the seventies, the bathroom's not the bathroom floor isn't level. Now there's some settling in the house, but this I think was construction. The rest of the house, you step outside uh, the bathroom and you're on level ground. <laughs> you go into the bathroom and there's this kind of carnival slant to it, like a funhouse slant. So uh, Missy would like to go ahead and just get that fixed. I have no idea how much that's going to cost. So I'm I'm just focused on the mold at the moment. But uh, yes, yeah, soon. Uh, in addition to the garden activities, we, we may be having a regular segment on home improvement and uh, how to fix your 200-plus-year-old home. I'm so looking forward to that, let me tell you. <laughs> so that's been the uh, – that was the, uh, the news from the inside of the house. Um, other than that, it's been a pretty quiet week. It was – I will say this, though. A couple of things from, from the community at large. Um, so it was prom this past weekend for my 16-year-old son who got invited to prom by an 18-year-old senior. Way to go, son. Uh, and, you know, my prom experience was you go and you pick up your date. I borrowed my mom's car. Um, didn't have a limo. Couldn't afford a limo. Thought the limo was kind of stupid anyway, because why rent a limo when you're going to a dance? If you were going to drive around for six hours, maybe get a limo. But anyway, borrow my mom's car, go pick up my date, take her out to dinner. I think it was steak and ale. Uh, go to the prom, and then I'll, I'll, my, my own personal prom experience I'll get into a little bit later. But that was it. You went out to dinner, then you went to the prom. Well, you live in a small town. There aren't that many places to go eat. <laughs> and there's there's really not a quote-unquote nice restaurant where we live. You'd have to drive 20 miles or so in order to get to the nice restaurant. So, um, yeah. So instead of going out to eat, uh, my son's date, her parents had a barbecue. And it was awesome. It was so much fun. I It was out in a part of the county where we don't often visit, um, out near a place called uh, Wingina. Virginia, yes, Wingina. I'm, I'm. That's how you pronounce it. I'm not kidding. That's, that's it. In uh, a beautiful part of the county, very, very far away from pretty much anything and everything. Uh, great folks, good steak. Oh my gosh, it was amazing, and, uh, and it was really nice just to get a, a chance to sit and talk with people who had lived in the area their entire lives. Um, uh, my uh, son's date's dad. Uh, works for a local railroad. Uh, his, her mom works for Farm Bureau, and they both grew up around here. So it was really interesting just to you know ask questions and hear stories about um, what the what the place used to be like, how it's changed, how it has uh, stayed the same, and uh, what what you know has there been more change than the consistency or uh, the opposite? It was it was really really fun, and it was good to connect with. People I hadn't met before. I mean, we've been here for four years now, and it's a pretty small county, but you still run into people. Like, I'm sure that I've passed by these folks in the grocery store or at the dairy freeze or at the gas station, but I hadn't had a conversation with them. So it was uh, it was great to actually get a chance to meet some really nice folks this weekend. 
and uh, and the prom went well. Uh, everybody had a good time. I don't think anybody got hurt. There were no arrests. Unlike my prom junior year, when uh, well, there weren't any arrests. I, I I should qualify that there were not any arrests. Uh, there was drug and alcohol counseling involved, though. I I ended up taking a girl who I didn't know very well. Um, we were not even friends. We were acquaintances and didn't have a date. Um, get to the prom after taking her to steak and ale. Heck yeah. And uh, she leaves my side and heads off to hang out with her friends, which is fine. That's fine. I had hung out with my friends, had a good time. Everything was great. Uh, midnight comes, time to pick her up. Take her home. I'm planning on hanging out with my friends afterwards. And as we're, as I'm getting ready to, I can't find her. And uh, and so I'm asking around, have you seen her? Have you seen her? I'm not, I'm leaving names out. And uh, one of her friends says, yeah, she's, she's really drunk. I said, well, she's, she's drunk. What do you mean she's drunk? Yeah, well, apparently somebody had smuggled booze in and uh, she had a lot of it. That I didn't know about. So I finally find her. She's a mess. Start walking out the door. I'm just going to take her home. That's all I'm doing. And we get stopped at the door. Small school. Not a lot of kids at prom. Word got around that someone had been drinking. And the nun, uh, who was the principal of my high school, stopped us and said, I know you've been drinking. And I said, no, she's been drinking. I haven't seen her in four hours. I'm fine. Uh, yeah, I threw my prom date under the bus. Absolutely. The sister didn't believe me. Um, there was a police officer standing by. So I, I, I asked. I volunteered to take a breathalyzer test. Please, will you give me a breathalyzer test? I am perfectly sober. I have not had anything to drink. They wouldn't do it. I ended up having to go to months of drug and alcohol counseling <laughs> because my date got drunk at the prom my junior year. So I'm glad that my son had a, a much better time than I did at my prom. The prom itself was fine. It was just the aftermath that was awful. The aftermath for my son was good as well. Um, all right. So we're going to take a time out. When we come back, we've got news from you. To get to 40acrefool at gmail.com. That's the email address, 40acrefool at gmail.com. If you want to shoot us a snail mail, you got uh, uh, something you want to send us, P.O. Box 817, Farmville, Virginia, 23901. That's the snail mail address. Again, it's uh, P.O. Box 817, Farmville, Virginia, 23901. And on Instagram, you can find us at Corny Goat Farm. That's Miss E's account. And I am at Cam Edwards, also at Cam Edwards on Twitter. All right, stick around. We've got more 40 Acres and a Fool right after this. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.
don't miss the Chris Salcedo Show. As supporters of illegal immigration ready themselves to march through the streets of the good old U.S. of A. One state goes one step closer to becoming a sanctuary state for illegal aliens. Coming up on the Chris Salcedo Show, and we'll talk with the chairman of the Powerful Ways and Means Committee, Congressman Kevin Brady. We'll tackle tax reform and the Obamacare repeal back from the dead. The Chris Salcedo Show. Weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards. On the Blaze Radio Network. So uh, Todd has written in with a recommendation on our uh, dirty water uh, coming out from uh, one of our pumps says the cam that you're uh, says dear cam the trouble you're having with the solids in your water more than likely that your later tank is full of water uh, it must have air in it to keep the pump from cycling rapidly to tell if this is the problem turn the water on listen to the tank if it cycles on and off quickly it'll stir up solids such as iron and clay from the bottom to cure this problem turn off the well pump drain the system it may take a while he says because the drain must be close to the tank so air can gurgle back into the tank or you can get an air compressor and add air to the shredder valve at the top or the side, depending on the type of tank. Todd says, we have to do this about once a year to help keep our water clear. Hope this helps, says Todd. Well, Todd, I, I thank you for that. You know, it's interesting. We um, we actually haven't had any more issues with that. There was the the one day that, to me, it looked like the water coming out of the pump was uh, was really dirty. and But the pressure was good, right? But with the hose, the hose was down to a trickle. So we ended up just... Scrapping the hose, bought a uh, uh, a new hose at Lowe's, a non-kink, you know, commercial-grade hose, because this one was pretty old, too. Um, and that actually fixed the problem. So I think the uh, the issue is just junk and gunk uh, there in the, the hose itself. But I'm always slightly terrified, Todd, of, of something going wrong with the well itself. Uh, so it wouldn't be a bad idea to go ahead and uh, flush out that system. Uh, also... Checking in uh, Sean out in Tahlequah, Oklahoma, at Pecan Grove Farm and Gardens, uh, talking about waving uh, as you're as you're driving by. You you know you do the two finger wave, right? You lift up your hand off the steering wheel. Hey, hey, hey! I I, I actually say hey rather than I, I I know I'm still trying to get that habit. But when I catch myself, like that's my first response. I talk for a living, so what do I do? Hi. They can't hear me. I'm in my car. Todd says, uh, as you mentioned in your last episode, I, too, wave to every driver I pass on the road. The way I was inspired to get in this habit, he says, was from a story I read on Facebook. I'm not sure if it's a true story. (laughs) Well, it was Facebook after all, right, Todd? But it inspired me nonetheless. Uh, This, in a nutshell, a pecan nut, of course. He says, many people who are contemplating suicide often wish that if someone had smiled or waved or said hello, they would reconsider their choice. So by a simple wave and a smile as I pass by, people will drive, and I just might make someone's day and possibly save a life. Like I said, may not be true, but then again, it might be. Also, I remember when a new basketball, maybe football coach for Tulsa University was looking for a place to live in the area. His decision to live where he chose, uh, not sure where it was, he said, but he based his decision on how many people he waved, how many people waved as he passed by on the highway. He wanted an area where the people were friendly. I remember this uh, story about five or six years ago, says Sean, so the details are a little fuzzy. Um, speaking of fuzzy, Sean says, as far as the farm is concerned, we have acquired some funding to help us build our rabbit hutch, the bunny barn. We'll be starting that in the next few weeks. We'll be raising mainly Californian or New Zealand's, mostly for the meat. We'll be starting small, but hope to multiply quickly, pun intended. Sean uh, says, I have future plans to expand it to be self-sustaining. More on that, he says, 
in the future. And uh, Sean also sent along some pictures of the Civil War bullet uh, that he had talked about in his last email. And, uh, oh, yeah, look at that. That is a mini ball. How cool is that, Sean? That is... uh, that is pretty neat. And, yeah, you can definitely tell it's flattened out. It's definitely been fired. It's in really good shape, though, too. That's awesome, man. Thank you for the email, Sean. It is great hearing from you. And, I, you know, I'm trying to get better about waving. It's funny. Uh, I, I ran into one of our neighbors over the weekend, and uh, I, I always see her husband. Like, we take our kids to school at roughly the same time in the morning. And... For about a week and a half, I'm pulling out of the middle school as he's pulling in, and I'm looking at the traffic. I'm looking to see, you know, can I go? And I miss my neighbor waving to me. And my son tells me, hey, he waved at you. Oh, shoot. So I haven't seen him, but I ran into his wife, and we're talking. She's asking everybody's doing. I'm telling her. I'm asking how everybody's doing. She's telling me. And I said, by the way, tell Billy I'm really sorry. I'm not ignoring him. I feel awful that I have not waved, but I'm looking at the traffic, and she laughed. She said, I, I I, understand. I said, but I'm making a conscious habit now to pay less attention to the cars on the road and more the faces uh, driving, uh, the faces, you know, in the window. And uh, she got a hoot out of that because her husband is a uh, is the sheriff there. So I imagine that he's okay with me uh, missing out on a wave every now and then if I'm actually, you know, scoping out the traffic. But, yeah, I do feel bad about that. And, Sean, I, 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 listen, I think that's a great way to pick where you want to live, right? How many waves do you get? How many people give you the uh, hairy eyeball when you go? I would also say go into a local restaurant, right, and sit down. And are you getting the hairy eyeball from people? Are they looking at you strange? Like, who are these people? Or are they nice? Or are they outgoing? Are they welcoming? I think that's a, uh, another good way to tell if you're in a, a, a good community. Tom writing in. But you can't hear what Tom says because Tom doesn't want his email shared. So, Tom, I appreciate you writing the email. I did get it. Uh, it was really good. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, Tom, if you want, I can use a fake name in the future. You can just write in under a pseudonym because you're a great writer and you've got some great stories. And I'd love to be able to share them with the audience. But I appreciate you writing, uh, Miss E and I, in the meantime. Uh, let's see. Also, Cheryl, on what city people don't get. Cheryl says, uh, I've lived in Columbus for 30 years, and there's one thing most city dwellers can't get their arms around, the barter system. When I wanted to trade some soap, yarn, or produce in exchange for a product or service, I met with blank stares. Or they look at me like I've got a third eye. I eventually gave up trying to explain it. She says, when I was growing up, we bartered for a lot of things. Pie for a haircut, mow your lawn for a month, if you sew something for me. When you're poor, you had to be creative. Sometimes I think it's a lost art. You know... It's funny, Cheryl, it shouldn't be, because we were just talking um, about uh, Bethany, who wants to swap out a miniature horse for two of our pigs, and we're totally doing that. We we use the barter system quite a bit. Uh, we've got our friend who raises chickens. Uh, we have not paid for the chickens, but we'll give her eggs to hatch out. And we give her 30 eggs. We'll say, give us 10 chickens. Take the other 20 and sell them. Uh, And that way she gets to increase, you know, the size of of her flock. She has more birds to sell. And we don't have a uh, a brooder. We don't have 
an incubator. So she raises the birds. We don't want them in our house for six weeks like we had to do uh, when we got our flock the first time. So we give her eggs, and we get some of those back in the form of birds that are getting ready to lay eggs. It, it works for us. I think bartering is fantastic. We've got actually we've got a pretty good circle of friends that uh, we barter and trade with, and. It, you're right. It's great because, you know, you're giving something, you're getting something. If you have something that somebody wants and they have something that you want and it's either a good or it's a service. Um, and it also, you know, it's it's a different type of transaction, right? It's not just the, hey, how you doing? Uh, maybe you don't even look at the person who's cashing you out of the store. You just take your stuff and you go on your way or they don't look at you even worse when you're like trying to, hello, hi, how are you? And they just, ugh, it's like hour six of an eight hour day and they're, they're checked out mentally. This is different. When you're bartering with somebody, there is a not only is there that give and take, but there's got to be a conversation because you've got to establish what the other person wants and what you want. And so, I don't know, half the time you end up, that's like a, a small part part of the conversation. Then you end up talking about other stuff, and next thing you know, it's 20 minutes gone by, and I got to get on down the road. But uh, it works, and you're right. I think, now, I don't know if you could do it for every transaction, but I hope that it is not an art that disappears entirely. All right, we've got uh, one more time out to take here. We've also got more of your emails, so stick around. There's more 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network right after this you're listening to 40 acres and a fool with cam edwards on the blaze radio network are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house hi i'm joan london Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards returns now on the Blaze Radio Network. So we've been talking about Frankenfood and lab meat and test tube chicken for the past couple of weeks. So Stephen wrote in, says, so gross. All I can say to eating that, uh, he says, let's put on our, our tinfoil thinking caps for a minute, though, and have a wee bit of fun with it. I'm always in the, the mood for a, a good conspiracy theory, Stephen. Stephen says, okay, so what if they get the cost down to, say, $10 a pound, but they can't get it any lower? The global cabal that wants us all to eat bugs with our dinner all get together and want us to eat manufactured meat because we're just peons and they're the Lord and Masters. It's what they do, right? They get the Wagyu beef, but uh, we'll just get the test tube meat. Yeah. Stephen says, so then there's a massive bird flu scare globally again, and they find birds carrying it all over the world. Well, it's typical. They find a bird with it. They destroy the whole flock, burn, sanitize. Before we know it, there's a crisis situation where they don't have enough stock to process. The price of real chicken goes up and up, and soon manufactured meat is on par with the real meat price-wise. Additionally, they probably wouldn't sell pure manufactured meat since it still almost tastes like chicken, so they'd put it in patty and nugget products where the meat is shredded, blended manufactured with real. Now, that, that actually doesn't sound, Stephen, like, um, that doesn't sound like a conspiracy theory. That sounds like something that probably will happen 
at some point, maybe as a as a transition, right? And then we'll forget what real chicken tastes like, just like we forgot what Coca-Cola used to taste like. Oh, see, maybe they're part of the uh, conspiracy there, Stephen. Stephen says, all I can say is I want labels telling me the ration of real meat to manufactured meat. No longer will they say 100% real anything. Ew, says Stephen. Yeah, I'm with you, buddy. I'm uh, not a fan. And, I, and look, I, I think... There are a couple of things that um, I think are working against the the Franken food uh, manufacturers, and, and Miss E talked about this as well. Like, if you're opposed to GMO, if you're opposed to genetically modified organisms, you've got to be opposed to lab raised meat, right? You can't want that. You can't want test tube chicken. There's no way. There's no way that you who don't want your you want your GMO free vegetables, you're going to eat meat. Grown in a test tube? Come on. Not going to happen. So they're going to find opposition from those groups. I think they're also going to find opposition um, to a large degree from foodies. Because foodie, you know, the, 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 the foodie movement and the slow food movement in particular is all about farm to table. It's all about knowing where your food came from. And, and, your, and you want your food to have a story. Right? But you don't really want that story to be, well, um, this particular porterhouse was grown in a lab in uh, Brooklyn, uh, I believe by a uh, guy named Dimitri, who, uh, uh, I mean, like, right, that's not your story. You want, oh, yeah, 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 this pork, uh, the restaurant gets it from this farm that's like 30 miles away. They've been there for four generations. They raise birch. I mean, like, that's the story you want. Dimitri growing the test tube chicken in Brooklyn, that's not a good story. That doesn't make you hungry. That doesn't make you feel good about what you're eating. So I think that there are – and then there's the taste aspect, right? The fact that they've got it almost right. Uh, and the price aspect, even if they bring down the price at some point. I just think that there's a lot um, – there, there, there are a lot of varying uh, forces arrayed against test tube chicken and lab-grown meat really taken off. It's not to say that they can't do it. I just, I just don't know that the market really wants it. 3D TVs. Remember when 3D TVs were big a couple of years ago? I didn't get a 3D TV. Did you get a 3D TV? I didn't get one. I didn't want one. I didn't need one. So why would I get one? Um, I feel the same way about test tube chicken and lab-grown meat. But I'd love to know your thoughts uh, as well, especially about the 3D TV. It just didn't really seem worth it to me. Charity writing in says, um, Cammie asked, what do city people won't or don't understand about the country? She says, it's space. It's room to breathe. I'm always amazed when we venture into the city how close people live next to each other. And I can't believe that we live like that most of our lives. Yeah. That gets me to charity. I'll be honest with you. And that was the moment. I mean, that uh, we've talked about it on the, on the podcast before, but like, that was kind of that, that, that crystalline moment of, I got to get out of here, was when I stepped out my front door in the northern Virginia suburbs of Washington, D.C., and I just started counting all of the houses that I could see from my front yard. And I could see it was the winter or the early spring, and I could see like 28 homes 
not all of them could I see great. I could see, but I could see like 28 different roof lines. And that was just too much. It just, it really was. And so I, I, I know what you mean. And, uh, and I drive, I'll tell you what now, I drive by these huge apartment complexes. There's one that's going up on the way to D.C. from Farmville uh, at uh, the intersection of uh, Interstate 64 and Route 15. It's a town called Zion's Crossroads. And there's nothing, like when I, four years ago when, I, uh, when we first moved here, there was really not much to Zion's Crossroads. There was a gated community because it's about halfway between Charlottesville and Richmond on Interstate 64. So there was one gated community. There was a Walmart. There was a Lowe's. There was like a big shopping center, but that was it, and then the gated community. And I thought to myself, this is so weird. Well, what I didn't realize is that I came in about three years after the gated community was built and the Walmart and everything was built. And before that, Zion's Crossroads was really just a spot on the road. Now they've built another little shopping center, and they are in the process of building this massive apartment complex. Massive. And every time I drive by, I'm looking at this. I'm like, God, the buildings all look the same. You're all right next to each other. I think it's like a three-story or four-story complex, probably close to several hundred units anyway. I mean, it's big. Uh, and, I, and I'm thinking to myself, like, if you go five miles in any direction, you could get two or three acres of land and, and have your own space. Why would you move out to a little tiny town and then move into an apartment there? Uh, because there are, I, I would think, now. well, and the answer is because you can rent those apartments. And the rental market for homes uh, in rural areas, it, it's, it's pretty small. But that kind of, I got to tell you, that makes me kind of sad that uh, you got people who are moving out to a beautiful area and then they're all going to crowd in together in an apartment somewhere. So I know what you mean, Charity. Charity says, also driving at night in the country is something that I had to get used to as well. On the nights where there's no moon, uh, once once in a while, miss my turn, have to track back. Um, Yeah, I guess, I don't know. I haven't really noticed a difference in driving at night other than... Uh, watch out for the deer. Charity says, on a sadder and more personal note, my grandmother, who will turn 90, who did turn 90 last September, was just diagnosed with a brain tumor. There's no cure, says Charity. I'm afraid her time is short. In a previous email, I told you she has 11 kids, multiple grand and great-grandkids. She's one of the strongest women I know. Charity says she was a big city girl from Indianapolis. She met a Nebraska boy at a USO dance. She went from modern conveniences to rural life, no electricity or indoor plumbing once my grandfather left the military. She says, my grandfather was a farmer most of his life until they left the farm and he became a postman. They moved to a small town. They built a house on a huge corner lot where they grew apple trees and always had a large vegetable garden. My grandma grew flowers and her specialty was roses. Besides my stepdad being a large influence on me, so were my grandparents as charity. I spent many summers with them. And it's probably one of the many reasons why I wanted to move out to the country. Charity says, I'm sorry if I'm off topic, but I do want to share some of my grandma's life with you. Don't apologize, by the way, Charity. I love hearing about your family. I love hearing these stories of, of, you know, these folks. My dad's 90, and I know that he doesn't have much time. And I tell you what, I, I love so much, Charity, to just listen to him talk about 
growing up and talking about when he was a young man, talking about his life. Um, it's important that we know these things. It's important that that we know these stories of where we came from. Charity says, cancer sucks, and I've lost three family members to it. That's why I understand what you guys are going through. Even though we're strangers, I want Missy to know she's not alone. God bless, and as always, sending prayers your way. Well, Charity, thank you so much. And I'll be keeping your grandmother and my thoughts and prayers. I hope that sounds like she has had a long, good, rich life. And I, uh, I hope that she is able to enjoy the rest of her time here. And I hope when it's time for her to pass that it happens quickly and peacefully and painlessly, surrounded by her family and loved ones. And uh, and Charity, I'll just keep you and your family in my thoughts and prayers, but thank you for sharing today. All right, unfortunately, we have to go now. But the good news is we will have another episode of 40 Acres and a Fool here before long. Miss E should be back behind the microphone as well. In the meantime, be safe, have fun, live a little, learn a lot, and we'll talk to you soon with more 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.